After Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia on Tuesday, we had a second major upset in the FIFA World Cup on Wednesday as Germany lost 1-2 to Japan in their Group E opener. Since the 2014 FIFA World Cup final, the Germans have incredibly lost 3 out of 4 matches at the World Cup. Ilkay Gundogan opened the scoring in the 33rd minute with a penalty after a foul by the Japan goalkeeper on left back David Rahm. While Gundogan hit the post once and Gnabry should have scored from a header in the second half, Japan deservedly equalized through Ritsu Doan in the 75th minute before a sensational first touch by Takuma Asano allowed him to control a long ball and speed past Nico Schlotterbeck to put Japan in the lead seven minutes from the close. The Germans are generally known for being efficient and clinical. What is going wrong with the Germans, Diman? I don't know. Really, you know what? This was a game... Uh, that the Germans really did quite well in. Hmm. It was not like the games of 2018 when they opened with the loss against Mexico. They lost to South Korea as well, didn't they? Uh, yeah. So they were in control. Uh, Japan, it was known that would set up a defensively organized team that would be difficult to break down. But what happened uh, at the end was, I think, most a proof of the fact that the Japanese did not want to give up. And that is something that I think has happened over repeated exposure to the World Cup, over sustained development of the game in their country. It's given them that belief that they can in the way that, let's say, Qatar lacked in their opening game. So it was basically a question of self-belief that turned the game around. I did not really see a lot of, you know, tactical innovations and, uh, you know, Japan doing something that caught Germany by surprise. Mm. Uh, yes, the goals, first of all, the goals were very well taken. I mean, yeah. and the second goal reminded you of that Dennis Bergkamp yeah. effect uh, right. in another era, in another yeah. World Cup, controlling the ball so beautifully and then smashing it in and uh, from, from close. But it was not as if... Uh, Japan gradually grew into the game or whatever. They were trying game D. Uh, they were not giving up, but they were not expected to give up anyway. This is a very well-drilled and a very good Japan team. Uh, everyone thought that they were in a very difficult group, which they are. And by beating Germany, you know, made it seem like Germany are in the more difficult group, not Japan. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you have two groups which are being led by Asian teams. Now, when did that last happen? Yeah, right. Uh, it's interesting that you should mention the Bergkamp goal because the moment I saw it, I thought of that goal as well from the 98 World Cup, I think. Diman, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, Diman, I was just having a look at the Japanese squad and I think there are eight players in the Japanese team who play in the Bundesliga. I think one of them plays in the second yes. tier, but most of them play in the Bundesliga. Yes. Uh, it yes. reiterates your point uh, about European exposure, doesn't it? Uh, like with teams like Japan, uh, having that exposure is, is clearly seems to be helping them. 
it does and i think maya yoshida or the coach actually made that point of course it does and if you're playing at the highest level then your exposure to a different level of training your exposure to different level of games take your game to another level and first of all it actually means and it's a huge confidence boost it actually means that you're good enough to be there and that in itself can be a massive lift to the way you approach the sport so playing in europe is a big thing what is even more significant for japan is that they have now taken their football to a stage that they can rely on local coaches they do not go for foreign coaches anymore and that is proof of real development you know most asian countries and you talk to any coach even in india and they'll tell you that the information in india does not travel well the indian coaches indian players are not exposed to the latest trends in the game because they're not there simply it's no fault of theirs it's just they're not there and their inability to uh, sort of carry a support staff build a support staff team it's not just about uh, knowing the tactics a coach is expected to build his coaching staff uh, he's supposed to be able to get a goalkeeper's coach he's supposed to be able to get a, a good physio and stuff this ability to build a coaching staff can only happen if you keep going out if you network if you build if you get to know enough people and that is where a coach from a foreign country has an advantage in india also now for instance saudi arabia also had herb renard except for once i think they have always had foreign coaches taking them to the world cups and they have all been very famous names uh, herb renard may not be all that famous to you know casual followers of the game but he has taken two african countries to the nations cup he has coached morocco and he regularly gets teams to punch above their weights and international teams he's not been a very good success at the club level but japan have their own coaches which talks of true development in the game so not only are the players playing in europe their coaching system has evolved to the point that they can produce coaches who are good enough to take teams to the world cup and win games like the one that happened yesterday so i think that is a true level of the kind of development work that has happened in japan it was a culmination of all those things that we got to see yesterday really a lot of self belief which comes from playing in europe which comes from a developed football structure at home and faith in their own ability to produce their own coaches which again talks of a deep development uh, which talks of a sustained and development which talks of a a football culture that's growing in the country and is possibly the number one sport among young people there i mean i know it's a land of uh, baseball and 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 uh, uh, sumo but given football's international profile given the kind of attention that football draws whoever i've spoken to who is from japan here and elsewhere have told me that among young people it is definitely the number one sport what we saw yesterday was actually the growth the real growth of football in japan right right uh demon uh, germany of course struggled in the last world cup they lost to mexico and south korea and i think even their lone victory came from a tony cruz free kick probably in the 95th minute of the game against sweden uh, yeah yeah very and, late yeah. very late yes yeah. yes and they have spain up next who won 7-0 against costa rica yesterday uh germany do you think So it's going to be difficult right <laughs> given that they have spain up next and might be might be heading for another group stage exit you think or it's difficult to disagree with what you're saying now because especially after the way spain played yesterday hmm. uh, okay costa rica were not the sternest of tests 
But Costa Rica have actually done well at World Cups. Costa Rica is no babes in the woods at this level. They have players who played Europe again. They have Keylor Nevas. They have Brian Oviedo. These players are, you know, fairly well-known players at the top level. And Costa Rica have been at World Cups. Costa Rica, uh, it was it in 2014, Holland uh, beat them either in the round of 16 or in the round of 8. So it's not as if they are a team that can be trifled with. But the kind of performance that Spain produced yesterday was mesmerizing. Uh, you know, this is this this is a country as as Arsene Wenger and Klinsmann told us. This is a country where traditionally they love play possession football, and they just left Costa Rica chasing lost causes through the game. It was like it was like almost like training drill between the Spain's attacking sides. And Costa Rica's defense. It was like you know having you have these attack versus defense training drills that kind of uh, make coaches put you through. That is how that game seemed uh, yesterday. Some 13 minutes into the game, Spain had almost 80% possession. I think they played uh, 1,000 passes or whatever it was, and Costa Rica played less than 200. It also told you how little really Costa Rica had of the ball. So this Spain team will put real fear into opponents. And having lost their first game, it's not going to make it easy for Germany. So yes, uh, if they can't at least draw that game, then it does look like another early exit. Yes, difficult to disagree with you there. Uh, you're right about Costa Rica. They reached the quarterfinals in Brazil in 2014. Yeah, but uh, the contest was mm-hmm. as good as over yesterday. I think within the first 30 minutes when Spain went. Absolutely, I think even earlier because I think the the contest was over in the first 10 minutes. Then it was a matter of Spain getting the goals. It was a kind of game that that would make Spain a contender for this competition if they can keep up this level, uh, if they can keep up this kind of uh, efficiency. I mean, they were scoring goals without looking at Alvaro Mora. One of, I think, was it Morata's goals? There's so many, I forget. But I, there was a goal that he scored. One of the players scored with without even looking at the goal. There was a goal where uh, Gavi. I think I think Gavi, uses... yeah, Gavi's goal was very good. Right. So, and, and there was another goal. That, so, Gavi, there was there was another goal where uh, a player comes in from the deep and sticks his leg out and connects first time. There yeah, was Asensio. Uh, Asensio, uh, yeah, Asensio. Asensio scores with a volley. Yeah, that's. I mean, these are. This this is, this is scary stuff at one level. If you are an opponent, you'd be scared. Hmm. I think the game was over pretty much from kickoff. It was just a matter of Spain scoring, and yes, by the first half, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just you know the formalities left. So this this got three in the first, and this this got four in the second. What we'll need to see is you know whether it is one of those days where Spain got everything right. These things happen to teams. All things fall into place, and you, uh, you are better than the sum of your parts. Or is this a team that can genuinely, genuinely go all the way? Belgium, meanwhile, Neman, they began with a one-nil victory against Canada, but uh, it was far from straightforward for them, wasn't it? They had uh, Thibaut Courtois obviously saved a saved a penalty from Alfonso Davis, I think, in the tenth minute, and Hmm. Canada had other chances as well. What did you make of that game? I mean, see, Canada had four times more shots than Belgium. That alone tells you a story. But the important thing here is that Belgium had more shots on target. So it was a question of experience versus exuberance. And in such cases, usually it is the experience that wins. 
of course things could have been so so different had alfonso davies scored i mean again there belgium showed their craft they made davies wait and the more you wait yeah. the more nerves start to jangle the more you start to overthink you know which way am i going to go the more you let instincts take a back seat and belgium did that because of their experience at this level because of what you know they have so many players the, the backline alone has some 295 international games or something most of them by vertonghen and aldoviral uh, then you have de bruyne axel witzel eden hazard babachuai uh, this is a team that is of pros they made him wait and the weight of expectations that was riding on alfonso davies i mean can you imagine taking a penalty in your country's first world cup game in 36 years with the possibility of being able to score your country's first world cup goal because in 86 canada uh, did not score a goal all that sort of led to davies taking a very poor penalty it was as poor as the one that lewandowski took the other day which thibault courtois saved and as it turned out the rebound fell his way but the ball was at a such an awkward height that he couldn't control the shot and went over think of canada leading 1-0 think of the kind of exuberance the attacking verve that they showed taking the game to their opponents you know not being overawed at all it could have been a different story but belgium did very little to actually be convincing but the good thing is this they managed to eke out a win really and the ability of teams to eke out wins the ability of teams to grind out victories is very important in the context of how far they'd go in the world cup so i think that was important uh, and and also the fact that you know canada did threaten canada pressed very hard they showed a lot of energy but in real terms every time they did take a shot it was really blocked by belgium's defense either by someone taking it on the body or be you know putting in a tackle so for all the domination it was the domination did not really show inside the penalty area yet canada did have chances i mean this uh, buchanan going over from close after the penalty the penalty itself and then they had three chances late in the game but you know it it was not something you know that really looked like okay belgium you could say a slightly lucky uh, but they were never out of control really they scored the goal by you know a typical back in the day english kind of game a long ball hoof from the back brilliant control by bachuai uh, who managed to drive himself through between two defenders and then scored with a powerful shot but it wasn't the kind of sophisticated football you expect from the world number 2 team but the fact that they could actually get down to playing basic route one football when it was required also showed that there is more to this team that can give you some hope going into the competition going deeper into the competition right right the ability to eke out these 1-0 wins is important as we have seen spain had i think a string of 1-0 wins on their way to winning the 2010 world cup yeah, yeah. belgium wouldn't mind now that they have the three points yeah uh deman moving on to today's games uh, brazil begin their campaign against serbia we have had tournament favorites argentina suffer an upset but surely the brazilians should sail through their clash against the serbians right 
Yes, but Chiche and Tiago Silva both made that point. But Chiche also said, you know, and this was since he was speaking before the Japan game, uh, or during the Japan game rather, Chiche also said that the Argentina result has made us cautious. So it is unlikely that Brazil is going to take to the game with a lot of swagger. It is not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. Serbia can be difficult to break down. There was some time when Igor Stimash once told me, and all these breakaway countries in Europe, because they've actually come from very strong football cultures, they have been able to catch up and stay at a, at, at a fairly high level. He was making that point when he was talking to me about North Macedonia and Italy. So, you know, on the face of it, it seems like four-time world champions. And it is a massive result. But North Macedonia is not a country where football was not played or something. It's a new country, but football was always part of the culture. They had clubs and stuff and they always had the hunger. Anything but a win will be an upset result, really. Uh, so, they have the team. They should be in control. But I'm not really seeing a Spain kind of result today. I could be very wrong when we speak the next time, but I'm not really seeing a Spain kind of result. Right. Uh, Devan, a lot has been spoken about Brazil's attacking well. Obviously, there is Neymar, there is Vinicius Jr., there is Martinelli, Rodrigo, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, how is Chiche going to fit all of these players in? Obviously, he can't play all of them at the same time. But in terms of the attacking combination, what are you expecting? Well, he yesterday said very clearly that they have at least three clear plans of playing. Okay. Uh, he did not specify, obviously. He was repeatedly probed as to, you know, can you disclose your starting lineup? So the question that you are asking is a question a lot of Brazil is asking. Mm-hmm. And he kept quiet. I am thinking that he'll play Neymar from a little behind. Mm-hmm. He'll obviously play Vinicius. He will play a number nine. And okay. Brazil go into this World Cup with those genuine goal scorers, with the kind of goal scorers that Klinsman said he would love to see because he said, you know, false nine and all that, I don't understand. Of course, he was speaking much before Spain's masterclass. But and Klinsman, having lived all his life as a genuine number nine, uh, it is understandable that he wouldn't be able to sort of, you know, accept the false nine idea. But Brazil go into this World Cup with number nines. They have Richarlison. They have Jesus. Right. So... One of them could be starting today with Neymar a little behind and they can use Vinicius, Rodrigo, Rafinha. They could use these players to stretch the game. I am guessing that it will be, Casemiro will definitely start. Uh, I'm thinking whether it will be Lucas Paqueta or Fred. The the back line will be held by Thiago Silva. Alisson will start in goal. So they, they not only have a wealth of attacking players. Look at the goalkeepers. Alisson and Edison are their top two goalkeepers. These are not only the best goalkeepers in the world. These are goalkeepers who can set moves uh, going. Edison, I, I say this all the time, Edison possibly has the best left foot in the Premier League and he's not good enough to start. Edison's goal kicks, shots become assists. And Alisson is perfectly capable of doing that as well. He's actually gone ahead and scored with a header, I think last season or the season before last in the Premier League. So, This is a well-drilled, solid team. And I think the best thing about Brazil is their coach. And the best thing that Brazil did was not sack him after 2018. And he was asked about this yesterday. And he accepted that this was a paradigm shift, uh, given that he could hold on to his job after the, the, the exit against Belgium. So I think this is a Brazil team that is balanced and uh, with the right mixture of youth and experience, 
um, with the right mixture of attacking and defensive verve. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, lot to look forward to, really. Right, right. Uh, Portugal also kick off their campaign today against Ghana. There is Bruno Fernandes, Yao Felix, Bernardo Silva in the Portugal team, but all attention is going to be on Cristiano Ronaldo, especially given that he is not. And there is Ronaldo and the Manchester United thing, which you did not say. Yes. 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 Uh, especially given that he's now left United after the developments there in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Diman Ronaldo obviously enjoys the spotlight being on him, but uh, it seems silly. But does he have a point to prove at this World Cup? He has. He does. Of course, he right. does. Uh, right. But. Uh, it's a little sad to see how the Ronaldo thing is unveiling, you know, over the past month since that interview to Piers Morgan. Uh, all of this points out to a, a person who's unable to come to terms with his obviously diminishing abilities. And that is the sad part. It is surprising that for a footballer of his talent and his class, for the country, obviously, uh, you need to be a little more accommodating, as Wenger had pointed out in that ESG session. There's a reason why he doesn't start club games, because he do not go anywhere as a player. Your, your team does not really consider you a very important player, even though you may be scoring goals by the bucket. So, it is sad that Ronaldo is not being able to lead the tea leaves. That said, he will use this World Cup to try and prove a point. Uh, he tries... I think he plays every game trying to prove a point. Whether he'll succeed, we don't know. Uh, but yesterday, Bruno Fernandes and uh, Fernando Santos, Ronaldo issue is not bothering us. But frankly, I mean, can you believe that? Can you believe something like this happening to a team two days before a World Cup game and they're saying, you know, not bothering us? Uh, it, will take a, it will take a very convincing performance from Portugal to make people believe that they're actually, you know, they actually mean it when they say it's not bothering them. Right, right. Uh, let's look forward to today's games then. Yeah, let's look forward to today's games. Yeah. That was it for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on our Twitter handles at Vivek9301 and at DemanHT. If you're a true football fan, you cannot not subscribe to Kickoff, our weekly newsletter on the world game which hits inboxes every Friday. For more updates on this podcast, follow HT Smartcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And to listen to more such podcasts, log on to hdsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.